Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Good to be with you here this morning in person. Uh, lots, uh, lots of our family has joined us today. Good to see you and our online family. Good to have you with us as well. Over the last five weeks, we've taken a closer look at the invisible war that's raging all around us in a spiritual realm unseen by the human eye. But it's real. We see and feel its impact every day in the physical realm. And the enemy we're fighting is formidable, Satan and his army. His desire is to thwart God's purposes and rob us of the joy and blessing of following Jesus and destroy us in any way that he can. Over the last five weeks, we've looked at the reality of this war and its impact on us. We've revealed Satan's true nature and purpose. We've exposed his common schemes. We've explained why God has allowed him to exist. And we've given you strategies and spiritual weapons to thwart his attacks against you and walk in victory. Then over the last couple of days, we've had the added bonus of our weekend break-free seminar to help you name and address those things which have held us in bondage. And I just want to say thank you to all of those who attended. I think we had almost 60 people here. Um, The tech team, thanks guys for your work. The food team, that was great. Music team. And Cal, I'm going to say it in second service again. Thanks so much for your ministry. He's shaking his head. But you burned a lot of teaching calories and emotional calories yesterday. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now this morning, we're going to close our series by declaring and celebrating the spiritual victories that have been won. Because as it says in the book of Revelation, the word of our testimony is one of the ways we overcome Satan. Now as any sports fan knows, today is what? Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. And I like what (laughs) I like what Vince Lombardi said legendary coach of the Packers. When the battle is over and victory is yours, never, never fail to celebrate. Now, this usually isn't a problem in the sports arena, the sports world. We love to celebrate our victories. And even in groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, they know the importance of celebrating victories as well. They intentionally celebrate the small victories because they know that even the smallest victories give those who are in the heat of the battle strength and hope. Not to give up, not to give in. The same is true of our spiritual lives. We need to celebrate our victories. And yet it's something we don't do as much as we should in all honesty. We need to hear the stories of victory because they remind us of God's power. They remind us that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Stories of victory give us hope and help us not to give up or give in in the spiritual battles in our lives. Now there are a number of scriptures that tell us um, to share the victories that God gives us. I'm just going to read a few of those this morning. Psalm 22. I will praise you to all my brothers. I will stand up before the congregation and testify of the wonderful things that you've done. Psalm 66. Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. Psalm 102. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. First Chronicles. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Even Jesus encouraged those who experienced his power and spiritual victory to go and tell others to not be silent. Luke 8, after Jesus delivered a man from demonic possession, he told the man, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you 
And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now this morning we're going to give you a chance to declare how much God has done for you. We'll give you that opportunity towards the end of the, of the service. And as we do share our stories of victory, we'll encourage you, um, they, they will encourage you rather, they'll bring glory to God and they'll build up the body of Christ. Now to begin with that um, today, I just want to invite Grace White to come on up. Grace is uh, a part of our church family, has been previously away for a bit and then back again. It's good to have you with us. We look forward to hearing your story. Earlier this week, Pastor Layton messaged me and asked if I would be willing to share this weekend. Now this past fall and winter, Pastor Layton had been privy to some of the things that I had encountered spiritually. And they had both been amazing and overwhelming and totally the hand of God all wrapped up into these past few months. Hmm. Was I ready to share in public what I had experienced? I mean, it's one thing to share around a table with a few people you know, or over a cup of coffee with a trusted friend, but it is totally another thing to share your soul to your church people, many of you who I don't know. In fact, I have still been trying to process a lot of what has gone on this past few months, as it really has been an amazing work of God. His fingerprints have been all over this. The answers to many prayers and the continuation of these prayers, even as I speak. As I pondered whether I would share or not, I felt God nudging me that I should, even if I was afraid. So I agreed, not knowing at the time exactly what I would say, but just as God had been leading me through the past season of learning, I knew for certain that the words God would give me to share with you, and hopefully at the end of me sharing my story, that you will be able to rejoice with me in the faithfulness and goodness of God. I have to admit that it has been a very humbling and powerful experience, which many times has brought me to tears of anguish over what seemed to be a very difficult situation. But as the story unfolds, I have also cried tears of gratitude and joy. So I would like to take this time to share a spiritual battle that I've recently been a part of. Um, and although the fight is not done, I have seen God's powerful hand in the lives of all who have been involved. So this part of the story actually began at the beginning of last summer at my mother-in-law's funeral. Pastor Layton had issued a challenge for the next generation to take up the mantle for praying for our friends and family, just as Millie had previously and faithfully done. The baton had been passed on to us. And for whatever reason, that spoke to me very deeply and I knew it was something I needed to continue to do, as I knew it was very important to continue to pray, especially for the family and her grandchildren, whom I know she prayed for daily. Her desire was that each one of us have that understanding of exactly who God is and how he desires to have a personal relationship with him and what a difference that can make in our lives. 
The interesting thing about prayer is that not only it has the power to change the person or situation you are praying for, but it also changes you. And that is where I feel God met me, in those quiet moments where I pondered and I journaled out my thoughts and prayers and waited for God to speak to me and direct me. Earlier that summer, I had found myself being restless with where I was at spiritually. I mean, it was just so easy to coast in my Christian walk and go with the flow so as to speak. Live that Christian life like I would wear a name tag that indicated that I was a Christ follower. But deep down, it just felt shallow and lacking. Being a believer in Christ is so much more than just going through the motions. God was at work in my heart and making me dissatisfied with being complacent. So it was during the Hearing God series last fall that God really seemed to speak to me about my nephew who I loved and who was going through a crisis. And I felt I was being challenged to be willing to walk with him as he struggled with some serious issues of addiction. And so it began. Many, many Tim Hortons coffee being brought to him, a large double-double, and me just being there, listening. Lots of listening, questioning, and just being available. Honestly, I had no idea where this would lead, but I only knew that it was God's direction, and all he was asking me was to be obedient. In my journaling, one of the entries that I wrote was as follows. Dear God, I feel like I'm embarking on a direction that I'm not quite sure where I'm headed. Am I giving my nephew the right answers to his questions? Am I saying too much or not enough? God, I need clarity from the Holy Spirit exactly what my role is. Like, how do I encourage him? And regardless of his choices, I hope that we continue to have a good relationship where he knows that I really care. God, I want to be obedient in sharing the truth with love, but also that what I share is the truth. It was also during this time that Alpha was being offered at Ebenezer, and I asked my nephew if he would like to join me. I had attended Alpha probably about 20 years ago, and so I didn't feel like I was going for my own sake, but I would go to be a support and bring him along each Monday night. Yes, he agreed to come, and he did come for the first one and the last one. And even though most weeks before Monday night came around, he would be wanting to attend with me, but for one reason or another, it ended up just being me showing up. There were some Monday nights where I questioned what I was doing, continuing to go to Alpha, even when my nephew wasn't coming. But I am learning that God never wastes an opportunity. And I'm so thankful for those Monday nights and my group that sat around the table and discussed the videos and prayed after our discussions, often praying for my nephew and also for me. I needed that support, and I needed those people who consistently showed up 
every Monday night and journeyed alongside. I knew I was not alone, and I also knew that all God was asking of me was to be obedient and to leave the results up to the Holy Spirit who is working in my nephew's life. Another journal later that fall was, God, I am asking you to reveal who you really are to my nephew. Reveal your power of breaking the strongholds in his life so that he can experience who you really are and what you are capable of doing in his life so that he can become the person that you have created him to be. Bring people into his life to encourage him. Dear Lord, I know I'm asking big things, but there is so much going on in his life. It is like he is fighting for his life, but doesn't even realize it. His addiction consumes him as much as he consumes his addiction. Show him your power. I ask this in all sincerity and humbleness and expectation. These prayers I journaled were a lifeline for me as it was in those moments when I would just lay things out as they were to the Lord. I felt completely inadequate and like there were times I was in over my head, but God, he is faithful. He brought people into this story and made a way for things to come together. And this winter after Christmas, my nephew entered Teen Challenge. I will be honest, there were moments I wondered if we would ever make it out there as there were so many hurdles to cross and get through. But by God's grace and the prayers of many people, it did happen and it was a day of celebration. On a side note, to give context to why I feel so strongly that this was something I needed to do, there was someone that really stuck out in my mind as a person who had done the very same thing for me. And I know that without a doubt, I am who I am because of their time, their prayers, their love, and their support. I am the beneficiary of someone standing in the gap for me when I was just a young teenager. My dear mentor and friend is someone who came, back, came into my life back in the early 70s when I was a teenager trying to figure my way out, not always making the best decisions, but I truly believe God brought her into my life and her guidance and prayers for me have shaped me and she has been such an example of someone who trusts God and believes in his power to change lives. In fact, last year when I first found out from her that she had cancer, and it was not curable, but could only be temporarily treated with chemo to extend her life by possibly months. That news hit me like a gut punch. As I just thought, she's gonna be someone who's gonna be with me forever. I needed to let her know how important a role she played in my life and to thank her for being such a part of my life as God so graciously placed her there just when I needed someone. So it was this past month, Dale and I were able to travel to Alberta to see her, as I knew her life here on earth is most likely short. I was able to thank her for her investment in my life and hug and pray one more time. 
And it was during this visit that she shared a story where unbeknownst to me at that time, it had been her wedding anniversary and she had just made some hot chocolate and was going to enjoy it with her husband. And then the doorbell rang. Here, myself and a friend were on the doorstep crying over something that would only make sense to a teenager. And she so graciously let us in and listened to us pour out our hearts. And when we left, she dumped out the hot chocolate, which had now grown cold down the sink. I will never know all the sacrifices she made on my account, but what I will remember is that she always pointed me to Jesus as the giver of life and the one who we can depend on to lead and carry us. When Dale and I left, I knew the likelihood of me seeing her again on this side of heaven seemed slim. But even with the tears when I waved goodbye to her, my heart was full knowing how much richer my life is because of her example of her willingness to journey with me. Another person that has also greatly impacted me is my friend Anjali. And how I've watched her pour into people's lives, one of them being my granddaughter, Brittany. Her actions have spoken loudly to me as she lives her life for Jesus, giving of her time and resources and love to so many people, including myself. Without her even having to say anything, I have been challenged to live an authentic Christian life, which includes walking with the ones who need our encouragement and love. Will how I live, my life challenge someone to seek God? I hope so, even despite my imperfections. Now, is this story that I have shared with you over? No, not by a long shot. Actually, it has just begun. And I continue to fight for my nephew daily on my knees. Now, has it been easy? No, not always. There were many, many nights and days of being totally exhausted and trying to get things figured out. But what I have seen out of all this is how community is so important and seeing the people come together to bring this to be. That was amazing. It was so orchestrated by God and his timing. During these past few months, my faith was both challenged and stretched in ways I would never have thought possible. But was it worth it? Absolutely. To God be the glory. So just a question for us, you know, who, who can we battle for? On whose behalf is God calling us to step in? So something we can pray about. We've been talking about the invisible war. It's been a great series. And as Grace has shared later on this morning, we'll give you the opportunity to share as well um, stories of how God's been at work in your life. So you can think about that now. Even while I'm speaking, I know you can do two things at the same time. So I'd encourage you to be prepared. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment to look at some familiar words uh, of Jesus. Uh, these can help us, in fact, maintain that freedom that we've experienced. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples, <clears throat> whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. So five things quickly this morning that we can do to maintain our spiritual victory. The first is to put Jesus on the throne of your life. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Now this past September, I had the opportunity to run an obstacle race uh, with my oldest son, Braden, out in Alberta. He did really well. I met my goals, <laughs> which were finish, don't get hurt, all right? Not necessarily the loftiest of goals, but truth be told, I had to actually work pretty hard to get ready for that event. And there was lots of times this past summer when I was out running, and I should say running badly. I'm not a great runner. There's many here who are far better runners than I. But I was out running. Every day you go out is a good day. I was doing that instead of chilling in my backyard, like all of us want to do in summertime. And I denied myself so many of those awesome summer snacks and treats, you know, those things that we just, that we just enjoy so much. Um, now, we've all experienced that sort of self-denial at one time or another. But denying yourself spiritually, that means something a little bit different. Satan's sin was his desire to be like God. Um, the Holy Spirit, speaking through Isaiah in chapter 14, says this of the, of the attitude of Satan. This was a mindset. I will make myself like the Most High. And he tempted Adam and Eve with that same offer. Genesis 3. When you eat from the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So to deny yourself is not about physical or mental discipline. The denial that Jesus is addressing here is actually that essential battle, the battle that began in the garden itself. And it's the struggle over who is going to be God. Who is going to be God in your life? Who is going to occupy, occupy that place of, of the throne in your life? Now, Scripture shows us in the creation account that God designed us to be in relationship with him. We were built for that. So to deny yourself is to recognize that, that we are not capable of functioning outside of God. It means that we invite God to come into our lives and be the Lord, be the king, to take the throne of our lives and occupy what was in fact his to begin with. This is the key. This is the starting point to functioning as a person who's walking in spiritual victory. It's saying yes to Jesus and giving yourself completely to the one who loved you so much that he gave himself for us. Now here's a second key. Acknowledge your identity in Christ every day. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. Now, as followers of Jesus, we identify closely with the cross. Paul says this regarding the cross in Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, through the cross, the follower of Jesus is forgiven, because it was at the cross that Christ took our place. He paid the price for our, our sin. We're forgiven there, and we are delivered from our old way of life, because that old way, that old, that old person that we were, that old sin nature was crucified with him. So Jesus' call for his followers to pick up their cross is really a call to renounce themselves, to put aside that old self and live in the new nature that we have in Christ. So the cross we pick up is essentially not our own. It's the cross of Christ. In Luke's gospel, a parallel passage to this, uh, Luke puts it this way, take up your cross daily. 
To pick up Jesus' cross daily means that we acknowledge every day that we belong to God, that we've been purchased by the blood of Christ. First Peter says, it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ. It means that we identify daily as children of God. First John 3, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. It means we affirm our identity is not based in our profession or in our possessions, but in Christ who is our life. Colossians 3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When we acknowledge daily that our identity is in Christ, we stop trying to be who we are not. That's God in our life. And we rest in the work of Christ and learn to function in the new nature he's provided for us. Here's a third key to walking and maintaining that spiritual victory. Follow Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, it's impossible to follow Jesus. That is, keep God seated on the throne of our lives and walk in our identity as his children in and of our own strength. We can only truly follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God fills us. In John 14, Jesus says this, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He teaches us. John 14 again, Jesus speaking, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. He guides us. Galatians 5, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he empowers us. Romans says, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. In our previous sermon series, and Grace mentioned this earlier, the Hearing God series, I think it was just, just prior to our Christmas series, that series highlighted how we can practically listen to the Holy Spirit and follow his leading. It includes a couple of different things here. First of all, listening to the Holy Spirit as we, re as we read the Logos word. That's the written word of God. It's the general word of God given to all believers. And it also includes listening to the Rhema word. That's a specific word of God, which the Holy Spirit speaks to individual believers. And so we need to be reading the word. We need to be in our Bibles to hear what the Spirit of God has for us. And we need to learn to listen to the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. Engaging both the Logos word and the Rima word, listening to what the Spirit is saying to us, and then striving to obey that. And we can be encouraged to do that as we walk in community with other believers. As we answer that question, what is God saying to me, and how am I going to move towards that? Sharing that in community and, and encouraging one another and praying for one another, supporting one another in that process. Those things are imperative for the believer to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's another key to walking in spiritual victory. We need to let go of the things of this life to gain true life. Verse 25, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will find it. We've probably all heard people talk about the good life. You know, no troubles, no hardships, a life of comfort filled with all the things that the world has to offer. Now, many people believe this is a worthwhile pursuit, but when you think about it, it's really only an illusion. At best, we possess all of this stuff for a lifetime, only to lose everything for eternity. But Jesus gives his followers a better way. He calls believers to put their focus on him rather than on the riches of the world. By giving up what the world offers, we gain greater joy, joy that comes through our partnership with Christ as we work towards the fulfillment of his plan and his mission. Now, the enemy continues to tempt those of us who follow Jesus with the same temptation that he put before Christ in the desert. He promises all the splendor of the world. The victory comes 
Maintaining that victory comes in realizing that true joy and fulfillment comes as we follow Christ. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Last key to walking in in spiritual victory, to maintaining that, that spiritual freedom. Verse 26 and 27. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? For the Son of Man is is going to uh, to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. In this last section of this passage, Jesus, he just lays it right out there for us to, to get. It says this, essentially. If you put yourself on the throne of your life, you may gain everything that the world has to offer. But in the end, you lose the most important thing of all, your soul. Now, some writers think that this is about losing your salvation. Others say it's about a greater or lesser reward in heaven. That's a whole big discussion that we're just not going to get into here this morning. That's not our focus. But here is the point. We will all stand before Jesus someday. Perhaps we'll pass before he comes back, or maybe Jesus will return first. We don't know. But regardless, we will all stand before him someday. And in that moment, Jesus will reward us for our deeds and for our conduct, for the way that we lived our lives. Now, maintaining this perspective that someday we'll stand before Christ, the one who gave himself for us, maintaining that perspective on eternity helps us walk in victory because we're unencumbered then by the riches of the world. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul is talking about enemies of the cross. That's the the phrase that he uses. And he describes them this way. Philippians 3.19, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now, clearly, these people have not placed Jesus on the throne of their lives. But then immediately afterwards, in verse 30, he says this, or verse 20, rather, Philippians 3.20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we're eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Maintaining that eternal perspective helps those of us who follow Christ live lives that are pleasing to him. We don't worry about the stuff of the world because our focus is on him, and that helps us to maintain that spiritual freedom. It helps us to walk in victory. Satan is out to usurp God's place in your life. His ultimate lie is that we're capable of being God of our own lives. And his ultimate bondage is getting us to live as though his lie is truth. Whenever we live independent of God, focusing on ourselves instead of the cross, valuing material and temporary things instead of spiritual and eternal things, then the enemy has succeeded. But we walk in victory when we put Jesus on the throne, maintain our identity, by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, let go of the things of this life that can so easily encumber us and keep our eyes on eternity. These are some things that can help us move forward in spiritual freedom. I'm going to close this morning with uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, just a promise of the victory that we have in Christ. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. appreciate you uh, being here. And again, if you have that sense that God has laid something on your life, we'll just invite you to share. Go in peace. Go with God. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. 
God bless you, and thanks for listening.